Nation. All right, what's happening? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Coming off another disappointing loss. Buffs lose 26-19 against Oregon State at home for a homecoming. It was a fun homecoming game. A lot of fun stuff going on, full stadium, but uh, Buffs lose by a touchdown. Full house here. Jared to my right, Ryan to my left. How we doing, guys? Great. You know, Tyler, I thought about suggesting to you before we all made the trek out to the studio today, do we just like replay last week's episode and call it good? Because, <laughs> I mean, I think we pretty much have all the same things to say, right? Well, aside from a bit of a different matchup with Arizona, yeah, pretty similar here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we are good. Well, look, we have a lot to go over. We're going to break down the game from last week. There is a few pieces of CU news, and then uh, we'll preview next week's matchup against Arizona. But let's start there. Buffs lose 26-19 against uh, Oregon State. General takeaways from that game, because you look on the scoreboard, seven-point game, Buffs were in it, question marks about the the clock management late. Oh. But a lot of storylines here. Offense starting slow, new offensive coordinator, Shadour getting hurt for some of the game leaving. So takeaways, general from the game. Uh, this is probably the the game I have come away the most disappointing in this coaching staff. The coaching staff more than the players. I I, I, I really felt just it's it's same stuff, different game. You know, it, this this team is not progressing. This roster is not getting well, better. Hold on. We're not. Do, do we think things. the defense isn't progressing? Uh, you know what? That is a good point. The defense has looked better week over week. I, I I will definitely give credit where credit is due. There, unfortunately, it's as one is improving, the other side is is falling off bit. and regressing. And offensively, and I'm sure we're going to get to it. The there was the kind of late announcement. It was after we recorded our podcast last week, the announcement of the the, the shift in right. the play calling. And I was probably one of the few uh, Denver folk who, here's Pat <laughs> Sherman. I was, I was actually excited because my very first response was, well, maybe they'll run the ball. You're one of the few Denver folk out yeah. on your front porch in your rocking chair? Well, well every, yeah. I, I bring up the Denver folk because for those of us who are also Broncos fans, we remember the god-awful year that was Pat Shermer as the Broncos offensive coordinator who, to a fault, ran the ball way too much. I thought, well, maybe this was – I really felt like that was why this change was made is because they needed more balance on this offense. I thought we'd see it, and guess oh, hold what? On. Still – 11 carries for the running. Let's course. speculate for a second as to why the change was made, because we didn't talk about this last week. This happened after our show. But I've listened to a lot of different outlets. I've read different articles, and I've heard time and time again from a lot of different sources that the change was made for a reason other than the obvious. And I don't know if this is being leaked. I don't know if this is different people's opinion and speculation, but... I think there's something going on that's so much so much more outside of football. And, and let, let's make it more of this. Shadur and Shiloh are obviously the sons of Coach Prime, right? I don't think he necessarily treats them that different. He treats them like, like their sons. But when it comes to what we see on the field and, and, and what we're hearing right now, why the change was made, maybe Shadur's getting beat up. Maybe there was stuff going on behind the scenes. Maybe Shadur and Sean Lewis were butting heads. Like, I think it's much more that than they wanted a balanced offense. I, I look at it as more of a, a big picture grand scheme of things, right? What, what I kind of really looked at was a situation where – you know, like like I was just alluding to, same stuff, different game, right? We're not seeing them make adjustments to what is being done. And 
it seems like the Pac-12 defensives have figured out what Sean Lewis is trying to do with his offense. And so I I wonder, and this is pure speculation, I want to be very clear on this, pure speculation. When you tell me things going on behind the scenes, what I hear is that these are conversations that Coach Prime has been having with Sean Lewis and he, week after week, is not seeing the adjustments made, and so he felt like... But what a, conversations? Uh, like? Conversations about how do we make adjustments on this offense to be more successful? How do we adjust to help our offensive line be more successful? How do we help this running game get going? What things can we do differently? Maybe it's schematics. Maybe it's philosophy things. Okay. But things where they're having conversations, and, and Coach Prime felt like he was not on the same page with his play caller. He knows Pat Shermer is his guy. This this is sure. a guy he brought on as an analyst to help him on the offensive side and felt like, I know that he is going to have my philosophy and bring it in the way I want it to be done. I think it's more along the lines. And again, this is speculation. Okay, We don't know. There's tint on the windows, like Coach Prime says. No one knows. But I think it's much more likely it's something personality-wise, behind the scenes, some disagreements, because... If it were more carries and they wanted more of a balanced offense, we wouldn't have seen 39 pass attempts and 19 carries last And, and again, only 11 for the running backs. The exact same number as the week before. So I doubt it's that. What I think it is is Sean Lewis is asking something with Shador. Maybe he's being too critical of Shador in meetings. Again, speculation for all the fans out there. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe uh, we heard... Shadour a couple weeks ago in the press conference say he wasn't getting feedback. There you go. That's what I was going to touch on. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's like he was being cryptic, you know, which I get. But what was he saying? He wasn't getting feedback from who? Sure. I thought he meant the receivers at first. When I first heard the press conference, I thought he meant he wasn't hearing from Jimmy and Xavier. I'm open here because he said I'm not getting feedback when the receivers are open. Clearly, it was more of a Sean Lewis issue. And that's what he was talking about. So I think there's stuff going on there. And Pat Shermer's like the the nice guy in the room who knows offense, who's there. It's like, here, you take it. So I think it was less, Shermer knows this, he knows the scheme, the offense, and it was more, Sean has to, he's, he's stepping out of bounds here with his with what he's asking us. And, and, and let's just really quickly to touch on this, let's remember, Sean Lewis was a head coach last year. He wasn't answering to anyone last year. He did what he wanted and how he wanted to do it. And to your point, this could be a situation, a guy that's used to calling all the shots, now being told very specifically to do something or handle something in a certain way, and he's not. Okay, but let's talk about the production this game, because the offense didn't do much for the first half or the third quarter. Fourth quarter, they came alive, scored 14 points, but until then, five points, and it was very anemic offensively. So, I mean, you know, let's also be fair to Shermer here because as a right. new play caller, maybe he needed 45 minutes to get acclimated with the team. The last 15 minutes look great and he's going to keep that going in the next game. So I don't want to be so, I don't want to be anti, I love Shermer. Actually, I was so excited when I saw him on the staff and learned what he was putting together. Uh, what did I say, Ryan? No, Shermer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought uh, you were pulling the producer give me a, <laughs> no. you said something wrong. No, sorry Schumer. So uh, I, I, I want to real quick touch on the whole Shermer thing and, um, I I texted Jared when they made that uh, decision to go with Pat Shermer for play calling specifically, and something that I want to remind myself and also remind our listeners as well is Sean Lewis didn't get fired, and they're not going to put an entire new offense in in a couple of days. So to see that it was basically the same thing that we saw in previous weeks, um, 
that's to be expected a little bit. No, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, it takes players, time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes weeks to implement new things. But also, I want to say, too, and this is kind of going back to, you know, a few minutes ago when we were talking about, you know, kind of generalities, is I thought about this uh, while I was watching the game. I thought about this. It's kind of been on my mind for, you know, since, since the Buffs played on Saturday is I think a big thing that's um, – that's uh hamstringing this team is there's no identity whatsoever to this team anymore at least in the beginning of the year hey we're struggling running the football but we can work at it but we're still throwing it all over the yard and the passing game is gone i mean largely efficiently just like you guys kind of said you can kind of say that the identity now is not giving up points in the red zone and forcing turnovers. That's what the buffs are. But we're not going to win games that way. So it's something concerning to me to see that offensively there is no identity. There's no there there's no commitment to run. Right. Now all we're seeing with the throwing is they've gotten what seems to me is the coaching staff has gotten so scared of protecting Shadur, it's all uh, short dump off passes to but, the running backs or screens I, I think to this the is a reaction to what there is available to them and and I so I actually uh for the audience I was at home w- watching this game and uh, for those of you who are also at home I I you know, I got to say, first of all, Brock Osweiler as an announcer, fantastic. Really? The guy was a terrible quarterback. Fantastic hey. announcer. Love him in that role. Couldn't sling the rock, but he got he paid. He must have said a half a dozen times, why do they keep putting these linemen on an island? Why won't they keep a tight end in? Why won't they use a running back to chip? Every single play, and we're going on weeks, guys, weeks that this has been happening. Every single play, that defensive end or edge rusher just knows I can just go go I don't have to worry about a running back I don't have to worry about anyone in the flats I don't have to worry about staying home staying true protecting my edge I just go get the quarterback and then but yet time and time again this offensive coaching staff adjusts nothing they line up four wide five wide they take their running back out of the backfield put him out in the in the route I get it. I get it. You have to have guys out in routes to be successful. It doesn't matter if you put three guys, four guys, five guys in the route. If you cannot block, they won't get open. That's what it is. When you look at the the yards per attempt, it is So this was going on last game. I mean, you would expect those things to change a little bit with the new And again, to, to Ryan's point, I think a lot of it is this is what's in the playbook. We, we can't just throw a whole new playbook. But I was surprised. When I saw this announcement, I thought, okay, that's it. That's it, right? He's going to do things schematically to help this quarterback out, help this offensive line out. He's going he's gonna to have two tight ends. They'll stay in. He'll have a running back chip. Maybe we're, we're, we're strategically putting different running backs in in situations. Dylan Edwards is a very small frame. He's not a guy that's going to do a whole lot of blocking. Maybe this is where we're using bigger backs, using guys that can do that. We saw none of that. We saw none of that in this game. So, Tyler, you may be onto something there. It was maybe less schematics and more a little bit of internal butting heads behind the scenes. All right, we can turn the page on this game. Oregon State obviously gets the seven-point win, like we said, but let's go over some stats real quick. Uh, 25 first downs for Oregon State, 15 for the Buffs. Total yards, Oregon State 418, Colorado 238. Passing yards, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I look at this, and it's like, is this a typo? Colorado had... 238 yards, but they had 245 passing yards? How's that work? Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, negative yeah. seven rushing yards. 
Anyway, uh, Oregon State had 223 in the air. On the ground, Oregon State ran it for 195. Buffs for negative seven. Turnovers, Buffs had one. Oregon State had two. And that does it for that game. So let's turn the page and talk about the news. Colorado news. Only a few things to hit on this week. Um, Did you guys see Coach Prime on the Dan Patrick show? No. He was on uh, Dan Patrick. Pretty cool interview there. And he said on the interview that Shadour and Shiloh were going to stay for one more year. He said they're going to come out the same time, which will be next year. And if you remember, Coach Prime also said earlier this year to Bleacher Report that unless Shadour was the top five pick, there's no reason for him to go to the NFL because he's going to make more in NIL money. So, And it's kind of interesting. I, I've seen some of the national people kind of scoff at that notion, and that, that, that makes a lot of sense to yeah. me. There's a lot more money to be made in the top 10, top half of the first round versus anything after that. It, it drastically decreases as you go through the draft. And not only, let's take everything aside, look at this quarterback draft class. This is yeah. going to be one of the best quarterback draft classes in the last decade, if not more. Why would you want to throw yourself in and be the fourth guy, third guy? Yeah. Next year, you could be that number one guy. And no, you know what? Maybe you get drafted higher than your actual draft ranking because of being that number one guy. Yeah, when teams are desperate and for a quarterback. Not only reach. that, let's let's maybe see a season of Shador with a better offensive yeah, line. Yeah, no kidding. And what kind of numbers he can produce. And I think the NFL will fall in love with him. I do too. Uh, so that was the first piece of news. They, hey, according to Dion right now, they're both coming out next year. Also, did you see this? Did you hear about this? New scoreboard. Yes, I did. New video uh, okay. board coming to Folsom. How awesome. So, real quick, what's happening is if you've been to Folsom, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, but if you haven't, on the north end of the stadium, there is a nice size scoreboard. There's everything you need. It's very, very friendly on the eyes. The aesthetics is great. But on the south side of the stadium... It's this rinky dinky little. It's a little, computer monitor. It's a, <laughs> it is okay. It's an Apple. It's a 1995 Apple. <laughs> Can we talk about the elephant in the room though? They're running. No one's complaining on about the scoreboard. It's that damn sound system. Can, is the sound system also no, getting replaced? Didn't they just replace they that just like did. last week? Yeah, or oh, last, last year? Okay. I mean, no. no, they just did that recently. They did. Yeah. No, they did. It's still. It doesn't seem like a an upgrade necessarily. But I, yes, I have been. I have been to a majority of No, it's you. No, no, no. I have been to a majority of the games this year. Y'all need to redo it again. You didn't. You failed. You failed on it. Anyway, staying right positive here, uh, this brand new uh, video board on the, on the south side, what we have now is tiny. So now, so the the section on the very the very end section, right, the cul-de-sac section, is two oh nine, and it just takes up like half the section. Okay, so this one will take up half of two oh eight, all of two oh nine, and half of two ten. Big. Whew, it's a it big. Actually, it actually uh, reminds me of the Broncos uh, yeah. end of the stadium because it's small, it's thin, it's thin and long, mm-hmm. and so that's what you want because the best thing about Folsom is the views. You want to sure. you don't want to block those views with a bunch of bulky scoreboards, things like that. So it protects the views. The video board is awesome. I love that because everyone in the stadium looks at the one board. Right. Well, no and not only that, that, there's going to be some uh, monitors put outside of the stadium yeah, as well. Outside. I saw that. How cool. 
Yeah. So, so. Uh, also, I know it's not uh, any time within the next uh, calendar year or so, but they're also uh, they also have uh, plans to redo that west side. Um, where the uh, old press boxes are. Okay. They're going to put more seats over there, uh, kind of redo where the beer garden is and all that food the vendors are in that, uh, in that well, old... They're making a documentary about it. You know what they're going to call uh, it? Huh. West Side Story. Oh, no shit. Hello! <laughs> no, oh, Tyler, Tyler. Okay, Tyler. shall we turn the page? Shall we move please, on? Please, please okay. move on from that awful, well, awful joke. Let's, let's break down uh, next week's game. we got Colorado hosting the Arizona Wildcats. Last home game of the Final season. Final home game. Last home game Last of the Last game of the year, Kirk. Don't hold anything back now. Oh, no, not now. Senior day. Exactly. But first, got to thank Fiverr. Fiverr has freelancers, and freelancers are awesome. Now, what are freelancers? They are self-employed experts that you can utilize without having to go through the dragging process of using a business. And this is generally for business owners, people who own a business. But if you want to improve your own hobbies and talk to a pro, nowhere better to go than Fiverr.com. But look... Here at Woos Media, we've used graphic design, uh, uh, website building, and my experience using a graphic designer on Fiverr has been great. I found one individual four years ago on Fiverr.com, and he's been so great. I've used him since, like literally the last four years. Whenever I need anything done, I call him. He does a quick job. I pay him whatever he charges, a couple hundred bucks, and then we go our separate ways. When I need another job done, I call him. That's how fi- that's how freelancers work. So. Do that for yourself. It's so useful. It's short-term work, and honestly, it's really worth it. So that's uh, Fiverr.com. Click the link in the show notes to save today. It's up to 40% you can save on your first experience. So that's Fiverr.com. Click the link in the show notes to save. All right, the way we like to break down these games is go Colorado's offense against uh, the other team's defense, and then Colorado's defense against the other team's offense. Kind of isolate the uh, matchups here. Let's start off with CU offensively against Arizona because – this is where Colorado has made their money this year. This is where they're going to have to do what they do best if we're going to win these games. As we've said from the beginning of the season, this 2023 Buffs is not built to win 13-10. We're built to win 33-30, things like that. And that's, once again, what I see in this exact game. So before I break down Colorado offense against Arizona defense, what do we expect this week? Let's talk expectations because last week, three quarters of inept offense, one quarter of in my opinion, very impressive offense. You moved it, scored 14 points. What do we expect to see this week against Arizona's defense, who ranks 68th in passing yards a game allowed and 17th in rushing yards a game allowed? There we go. I think we may see a little bit of a slight adjustment in schematics in the style. I think, you know, we're talking, we, what we just talked about, right? It's hard to change the implement that. You got another weekend. You, we've all known all week long. Pat Shermer is the one calling the plays. I think you're going to start to see a little bit of differences and changes in what we're doing. But it's hard, right? This team is what it is, right? So can you just flip this roster over – or not roster. Can you flip these schematics overnight? No, that, that's not going to happen. So I think we see a little bit more of that concerted effort to protect the quarterback, to protect this offensive line, and they do that through running the ball a little bit and keeping some extra blockers in. Jared, uh, do you chase bets a lot when you lose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that sounds a lot like uh-huh. uh, a lot like the mentality the of a chaser, chaser right yeah. there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope to see it, but Jared, I take I, my tequila shot straight. Though. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't know how much difference we're going to see in the offense. I, I personally think. Um, Kind of the coaching staff, especially Prime, kind of knows what the buffs are, and I don't think we're going to see much deviation from that. But, but guys, we've been watching this last few weeks fail. 
Is there no sense in this coaching staff of realize we can't just be what we think we are. We need to change but this there, script. But there's two different ways to approach this. Yeah, that's one way. What you just said is what we've seen on the field needs to change. But let's let's just take a step back for a second, okay? If we if the Buffs win against Stanford, which they should have, that was ridiculous. If they win against Stanford, literally every game this season after the non-conference has been pretty much how we thought. Did anyone think they yeah. were going to beat Oregon or USC? Nope. Right? That's a good point. And then they beat Arizona State, and if they would have beaten Stanford, their only other two losses are UCLA, who's ranked 23rd, and Oregon State, who's ranked 16th. Yep. So this season isn't some huge – it's all narrative. It's all expectations after the first couple of games, and it's kind of crazy to me how everyone's like now down on the team. Nothing has really changed based on what we expected. So, Jared, when you say what's supposed to change, I say – What's supposed to change is we finally get another defense that's not Oregon State, not UCLA, very on par with Stanford, where the Buffs put up, what, 20, 30, whatever, how many points it was in the first half. That's what I expect this game, especially against an Arizona defense who is average against the pass, 68th, and very good against the rush, 17th. Now, Arizona, let's talk stats here. Uh, Arizona team stats defensively, they're giving up 22 a game, not bad, 22 points allowed per game. Uh, they are, as I said, 68th in passing yards allowed a game and 17th in rushing yards allowed per game. Now, Colorado is scoring 30.7 points per game. They are 5th in passing yards per game, and the Buffs are 130th in rushing yards per game. So what that says to me is clear. Arizona's built to stop the rush, but Arizona isn't having a good matchup here. Colorado doesn't want to run the football. Like, it, it, Don't look any further than last week's 27-10 win against UCLA, where what did the Bruins want to do? Line up and run the football. That's not the matchup that, that or that's what we're going to see from Colorado. So Arizona wants to face a team that's going to run the football. They don't want to face a team who's going to throw it 40 times efficiently. So this mm-hmm. is a good matchup, I think, for the Buffs. Is there... Any sense? I want to before I even say the statement. I want to be very clear. The Buffs are not out of contention for bowl eligibility. There are still. I think this is a winnable game. Yeah. I think next week against Washington State is a very winnable game. Sure. In fact, Utah is down this year. They're still a ranked team. They're still a very good team. But these are winnable games. There are winnable games there. I want to say that first. Is there any sense in your guys' mind that this coaching staff? Maybe start should start thinking about how do we build this team for next year? How do we start to learn and grow and, and start to use these games as opportunities to make sure when we start next year, we hit the ground running mm, and know what this team looks I don't, like? I don't, I don't think that would be the case for this reason. <clears throat> I, think, I think we see a lot of turnover this offseason. I do too. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover. A lo- I think it's going to be the la- last year, rinse and repeat. We're going to see an entire roster to a turnover. Extent, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah, maybe not rinse and repeat. There's some limitations to that when you're yeah. not in your first year, but yes. But, I, the, but, but the point is, if they anticipated the roster being 80% the same, then yeah, you look to next year, get them ready. When it's going to be new guys, that's not the case. Now, the question off that that I have is, does this coaching staff look to just get towards recruiting season and, and say, screw a bowl game? There's a Ryan mentioned an early signing day in, in December. Yep. Let's look towards that if you're going to build for next year. So that's another mindset that, that's been thrown out there. It's like, do they just turn the page already? But on the point of this being a very winnable game, a, a few things I want to point out. Let's just look at the gauntlet that Arizona just went through. And I'm sorry, I'm pulling it up right now. This is Arizona's schedule over the last handful of weeks, okay? These are the teams that they have played. Last week, UCLA, ranked opponent. Before that, which they won, by the way. Uh, before that, Oregon State, 
ranked opponent, Arizona wins. Before that, Washington State, ranked opponent, Arizona wins. Before that, USC, ranked opponent, oh, losing overtime. They're doing well. Washington, ranked opponent, lose by less than a, or by, by, by one touchdown, one score. This was a gauntlet, and guess what it got them to? Bowl eligibility. They just became bowl eligible last week. All of a sudden, is Arizona looking past this team? Are they looking past this matchup? Next week, they have Utah. Then they have Arizona State, a rivalry. Is this a chance where maybe you catch Arizona sleeping well, a little bit? Well, it could bit? be, and if that is the case, it's, it would likely be the defense who allows the Buffs to kind of do what they do because, as we said so far this season, they have done so in these matchups. So, you know, that could be a point, Jared. Well, 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 that certainly could be the case, but overall, I think it's a really good matchup for, for Colorado. I think, personally, we see the most offensive success this game than we did against Stanford in the first half. You know, you got to turn the page back, you know, three weeks – but that's what I believe. Now, the players to watch on defense for Stanford, their linebacker number five, Jacob Manu, uh, Jacob Manu has 75 total tackles. Next player on the team has 51, so he's doing a lot of damage. And then uh, their defensive back, Takario Davis, number 23, has 11 pass breakups. Next on the team has five. So he, on paper, number 23, is their most effective defensive back. So... That's it against the, for CU's offense against Arizona State's defense. I mean, look, I think that these receivers and and backs will have an advantage. I mean, Arizona State is good up front, front seven, but there will be opportunities to throw the football. You know, I think both teams are going to score, honestly, and move the football. I'd lean over if you're looking to bet this thing, but I think uh, CU can find success, and I, I think that we're going to see the Buffs move the football. So, All right, let's get to Colorado's defense against Arizona State's or Arizona's offense, not Arizona State. Uh, if you want to bet on this game or bet on other college football games, I would recommend checking out BetterEdge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, like sports better, Edge.com. What they've done at Better Edge is, first of all, if you happen to be listening in a state where you can't bet, you can probably bet with Better Edge. There's only like three states where you can't legally bet with them. The other thing they do is they've gotten rid of the tax. So what makes it so hard for the average Joe to bet is that minus 110, that house tax, well, if you don't have to pay that, then your expected your expected losses over time are like zero dollars zero cents. My dog could bet with Better Edge, and she could make a decent. Uh, well, she would at least be expected not to not lose anything over the course of a month, year, or a season. I would trust Layla's so, bets over my bets. I mean, sure. hey, stop having the discussion with your wife or friends every month how you lose. Start winning with Better Edge. Put in promo code Buffs for a free twenty bucks. You don't have to deposit one penny. Sign up. Put in promo code Buffs and get a free twenty dollars. Let's get to it. Colorado's defense against Arizona's offense. Well, let's start here. Montana making his comeback. He's been on this show before. We've interviewed him. Montana Lamonius Craig. Yeah, coming back. So uh, if he were one of their leading receivers, I'd say it's a big deal. Currently on the team, he's sixth in catches. So he left us for a situation where he probably would have got more catches with the Buffs. I think he probably was also surprised at how effective this Arizona offense has been this year. Yeah. You know, he I think he really thought he would go there and be the leading guy. And he, in terms of receivers, not including tight ends and running backs, he is their third receiver, very clearly the third guy in the receiving court. But we saw last couple of years, Montana doesn't need to, and look, I don't want to speak for him, but my impression was, he didn't need to play for a great team. He wanted to be the guy, you know, which I don't blame. Who cares? Like, that's some people want that, you know? Um, so I, I thought receivers he, mindsets. Yeah. And I thought he was going to, I think that he thought he was going to get that going to Arizona, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> and all of a sudden they're awesome. And Jed Fish is like coach of the year candidate, and he's getting 20 catches after eight games. Whew, not the grass isn't it. always greener, is it? No, it, no, it's not. Ask my neighbors. It's not always greener. But uh, anyway, Montana makes his return. That'll be what, – what kind of reception is he going to get? After his first catch, and, and the announcer goes – uh, seven-yard reception by Montana Lamonius Craig. Do we? Does the crowd cheer or boo? Oh, I'll be cheering. Definitely, yeah, cheering. I'll be For cheering. Sure. I have no ill feelings towards Montana. I think so too. In in many dark places that this team's been, he was a bright exactly, spot. So exactly, I agree. All right, let's get to some statistics here. Arizona offensive stats: They are scoring thirty points per game. They are twenty-first in the country in passing yards per game, and they are seventieth in rushing yards per game. Colorado defensively. Oh, boy. 34 <laughs> points allowed per game, 131st in passing yards allowed per game, and 93rd in rushing yards allowed per game. So you know how it is for us, the Buffs, when we face teams and we go, okay, well, look at this team, bad at passing, great at rushing. Mm-hmm. This team, great at what? The Buffs can't really do much on defense. Nope. So it's like every matchup seems to go the way of an offense who can produce. I, I haven't closely tracked but it seems like that rushing number is getting better week over week we're, we're ranking a little bit better week after week Moving up, yeah. the thing to hurt you on on that aspect specifically is they're on the field a lot but um, I will say like uh, as a as general statistics goes you know they're not the buffs are not great uh, passing yards rushing yards however it seems like they are a bit of a bend no don't break type of team because I believe that they're in the top 10 in the country in um, red zone efficiency, um, touchdowns given up, uh, forcing turnovers for sure. I, I think the Buffs have a great uh, turnover margin because um, I know the offense doesn't turn the ball, ball over a lot. Um, so that's something that I got it right here. Buffs are fifth in the country in turnover margin. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. So um, something to kind of keep an eye on there. But no, I think so too. Turnovers have been a big part of this defense, but like you don't want to rely on turnovers, right? You don't want to it's have that off mentality. Of I know, it's a problem. And, and I, I don't want to. Well, that's an issue for sure. You can't score after those turnovers, but I don't want to be all doom and gloom because the defense has looked better. Yeah, we said that earlier. They've improved, but uh, still, those are the stats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they don't <laughs> the, lie, right? Those are the numbers exactly. But uh, Arizona is probably going to move the football, and they're probably going to pass the football pretty efficiently. As I said earlier, I see a lot of points this game. I think both offenses have success. Arizona has one of the most improved teams from the preseason expectation to now. Okay, Their only losses, as Jared mentioned, were at Mississippi State, at USC, and and against Washington. (laughs) I mean, this is really a good team and really a good coaching staff. Their quarterback, Noah, uh, is it Fifita? Yeah, Fifita. Noah Fafita, he's got over 1,500 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and four interceptions. He's been sacked 13 times, which is 80th in the country, and uh, maybe an opportunity for these pass rushers to get their uh, to get their their claws into a quarterback consistently finally but uh and and for those who haven't been following Arizona football closely he was not the starter to begin the season he actually came in for Jaden Delora halfway through the year uh because of injury exactly and has has stuck on as the start he's a red shirt fresh he's looked good yes he's looked very very good and he's attempted over 32 passes in each of his last five games a young guy not a ton of experience but has not shown the young guy, you know, characteristics, right? He's not turning the ball over a lot, not making a lot of bad decisions. Exactly. And like I said, they're throwing it a lot with him, and he's getting everyone involved. They have seven receivers this year in double digits for receptions. Now, let's be clear. Colorado has like 
57 guys in this stat, right? <laughs> right? It's not normal for us to see these CU stats. So when you go, oh, yeah, well, of course they do. Look, look at CU stats. That's not normal, right? So for them to have all these players who are doing so well, they're spreading the ball out, they're being efficient. And as we said, Montana only has 20 catches for like 180 and two touchdowns. So uh, overall, though, very good offense on, in Arizona. I'm really intrigued to see what the Buffs do on defense. How are they going to match up here? Where's Travis going to be? And uh, should be a very, very good test for this defense. And they're pretty well balanced offense. Arizona is they they do run the ball fairly well. They're not you know nothing compared to some of the other offenses we've seen this year. Now they spread it out pretty well, but they do target two guys in particular. Number four, Tetarioa McMillan. I'm not even going to try twice. And number two, Jacob Cowing. So need to shut those two players down if you're going to have success. All right, should we get to my keys to the game like we do every week? Got to do it. Every week I give my three keys specified for this opponent. Let's get to it. I've kind of got a fourth one in here I'm going to throw in, but we've got three keys. Oh, no, no, no. You said three keys. I know. All right, key number one, third downs. It's going to come down to third downs. They will be crucially important. Need to convert third downs and keep drives alive. Currently, the Buffs actually aren't doing that bad the Buffs are 43rd in the country in converting third downs at 42.3%. Not too bad. But look, the last two games, Buffs have been at 37% and 35%. So that has to raise. you got to set yourself up with success on early downs. And I'm going to extend that to the defense as well. I'm going to say it's actually more crucial that the defense is successful on third downs. You have to get this Arizona team off the field. You I like that. Nice addition. Both offense, defense, got to get off the field, got to get got to stay on the field for both offense and defense. And with that, there's other things that come with that for the offense specifically. Get the ball out quickly for Shador. Keep him upright and be efficient in the passing game. That all goes together with converting on third down. Are there routes that you can get to in 1.8 seconds? Because that's probably what we need to do. Well, what do you mean? Eight, one, yeah, of that's course about Because in two seconds, in two Jared, seconds, the, Jared, that's the, the a, pass that, rusher's that, in, the, that's, in the face. That's ridiculous. Of course they can do that. And I think they can implement that within a week. I think we'll see that. we Look, last week when we saw... Travis run the two-yard comeback. I thought, we haven't seen that much this year. So that's what we need. Yeah, Get it snapped and you're get the ball out. Right. And, and we keep talking about this week over week, and I know this is getting aside from your point. Uh, get the running backs involved in the passing game, man. Yeah. You know, that helps too. That helps a lot. All right, my second key to the game, turnovers. As Ryan mentioned, the Buffs are fifth in the nation in turnover margin. Really done well forcing turnovers. That has to continue here because, as we mentioned, Arizona – has shown the ability to move the ball. Okay, so turnovers would really go a long way. Also, Arizona's only 91st in turnover margin. So, I you know, it's not like, well, looking deeper, they haven't had a lot of turnovers and haven't turned it over a lot, so margin still isn't great. But I think if the Buffs can flip the field, you know, give this offense 50, 40 yards instead of 80, that's going to really, really help this offense and hopefully kickstart things to get to get some points scored. So, when you talked about the the... Arizona offense is susceptible to giving up sacks, a lot of sacks on the season so far. I think that's a key for the Buffs. Get after the quarterback. Make him bad, make bad decisions throwing the ball, or maybe you can get a turnover that way. Strip sacks, something along those lines. All right, and finally, my third key to the game, special teams. Let's go to the special teams, guys. The green jerseys. Field position will be so important in this game. Converting field goals, gaining yards on punt returns and kickoffs. I don't know if you knew this, but Arizona is 88th in the country in yards allowed on special teams. So they give up punt returns. They give up kick returns. I think the Buffs could have some opportunity here. And uh, in terms of actual field goals, Mata is 8 of 9, only misses the block. His long is 43. And 
look, he's going to just nail it wherever it is. But it looks like he always just has enough to make it through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if it's twenty three, he's he gonna doesn't keep like it to show off. No, if it's twenty three, no. he's gonna keep thirty. If it's thirty five, he's gonna keep forty. I think this is yards. the number one reason he was not the starter going into the season. He does not have the distance that Feely does, that Jace Feely does. He doesn't have the ability to hit over fifty. But I'll tell you what, inside of fifty, my man is nails. And the Buffs seem to be able to punt well. Right, get the Aussie sensation going and get that, which they have been able to do. If there's one thing the Buffs have done really well this year, it's punt the football. You never want to say that. <laughs> it's true. All right, my fourth key, my last key, which is not really as much of a key because it's nothing the players can do, but I hope that the home field gets used up here. I hope we ring the washcloth with the home field advantage. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about the intangibles like I hope Arizona has some tired legs in the fourth, but I hope this crowd is loud. It's the last home game in the first year of the Dion era. I hope it's packed. I hope it's loud. It's a noon game, noon kickoff. Love it. Right, I so know. so happy. I think it's great because it's not 10 a.m. to where you're leaving in the morning, right? And, and it's no, you're not, allowed to start drinking before. You're this. allowed to. <laughs> it's not super late too, so you're coming home at 1 a.m. So I love the the, the kickoff at a, a, at uh, noon. But anyway, I think that the Buffs have to have a loud, good atmosphere here. Use this home field the last time we get it this season. So. Yeah, and the concern is 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 has some of this, you know, luster worn off a little bit no with way. with everything and that's that's the concern you have with this fan base. We've been selling out still week after week, even last week's game. I mean, obviously it was homecoming, but you sell out the late night game. So, I agree. Show up buffs. This is a winnable game. This is a chance for the bus. To your point, Tyler, you brought it up earlier. The Buffs really haven't deviated that far from expectations this year. Right, yeah. Vegas had them at three and a half. They currently sit at four wins. If you give them that Stanford win, it would feel so different right now. And I think we would be talking about, yeah. like, this is that game that we all had circled at the beginning of the year saying, this is what gets us to bowl eligibility. Now we still need two. There are at least two winnable games on the schedule. You have to get this one. With that, let's pick our uh, let's make our predictions. Every week, we make our predictions in the form of a uh, score pick. I'll go first. I've got the Buffs winning this 34-31. And you know what? That may be low. I'm going to change that on the fly. I'm going 38-35. Okay. Ooh, I think there's a lot of points. A lot okay. of points in this game. Buffs get the edge late, but uh, high-scoring game. Uh, I'm going to jump on there with you, Tyler, this week. Uh, I really look at this. I mentioned it earlier in the show. This is a trap game for Arizona. I absolutely think the Buffs jump on them early in this game. I think Arizona makes their push as the game goes on. It'll be a very close game. Can Coach Prime be a trap for anyone? Yeah, absolutely, especially at this point in the season. He is actually getting to a point where this team is becoming a little bit of the butt of a joke for a lot of national media. So 100%, I think Arizona looks at this and all the flash that is primetime in this Buffalo's team. They're not that. Jed Fish is definitely not that. I think that they will be looking at Utah, looking at what this season could be for them, and looking past the Buffs, I like the Buffs winning a very close game, 31-30 in this game. All right, Rob, what do you got? 35-21 Buffs. That's all I got. Look at that. I love the concise nature. Get on, get off, just like the, we, we hope to see the defense do this week. Get on the field, get off the field, get the win. And so. I'm doing what we hope the Buffs offense does, and I just keep on running. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go, Buffaloes. Let's end the season with a win at home, and then go get a win on the road the last two games of the year, but beat Arizona. Let's go, Buffs. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation Podcast. <laughs>